thought I'd get applause too. Hey, that's okay though. That's all right. <laughs> hey, my name is John Baker and a uh, member here at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. I get the opportunity to welcome everyone this morning and uh, so excited for everyone to be here. Everyone on our online audience as well. Um, really excited. I'm not exactly sure what is going on. I noticed during the 830 service that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the, the welcome. Uh, Jason uh, Sanderson's also going to come up and do uh, prayer and, and uh, also read scriptures. JT is preaching. I think over here, Joanne, Jay, Jeffrey, and John's over here playing. The I'm, and, and we serve Jesus, right? So I don't know what that means, but if your name starts with K, you're up next week, I would guess. So uh, just, I'm just telling you, okay? So be careful. But we also want, if you're a first-time visitor, hey, we're happy to have you. And, but if you go out to the Welcome Center afterwards, we do have a small gift for you and uh, just ways that we can reach out to you and, and uh, any ways in which we can serve you. So thankful to have everyone here today. That's all I've got, but th- what your, your job is now is to stand up, and even if the person beside you, their name doesn't start with a J, you tell them that you're happy to see them today, and so let's all stand and greet each other right now. Down at the cross where my Savior died.
of being out of town uh, texted me and asked if I wouldn't mind coming to pray over this church and lead, lead this prayer at the altar. It's uh, a, a very special time where we as a congregation get to go to the Lord as one. So, um, And also, this week I was at the seminary. Um, by the way, my name's Jason. I'm the other J that John talked about this morning. And uh, I'm a deacon here at Forks and also a uh, student at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, and uh, I had the, the privilege of studying under Dr. Uh, Jonathan Pennington this week, who is one of the leading scholars on the Gospel of Matthew. And so for two intense eight-hour days, Friday and Saturday, we got into the first few chapters of Matthew. And so that's been on my heart, and as I come to, to pray with you guys, I just was thinking about how... Matthew is going back to the Old Testament and showing how the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ in a new and awesome way, and that new and awesome way has to do with being humble in heart. It's not just about doing the right things, but it's about having the right posture before God, a holy God. And so uh, at this point in our service, if you're new to the Forks or you're visiting, this is where we invite you to come forward. And to kneel at this, this altar, we've got a, a prayer bench up here. Um, you can stand where you are. You can remain seated, however the Spirit moves. Uh, would you 
Please come if you feel so moved. Heavenly Father, O oh God Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your mercy and for your love. We thank you for all of your attributes today. We thank you for the covenant loyalty that you have toward your people as we move forward in faith under the tutelage of such a great philosopher and teacher and Savior in Jesus Christ. Um, as we know from the Gospels, we just we praise you for giving us your word and giving us scripture. And we ask that you would posture our hearts to hear a beautiful message today. I also thank you for this, this institution of your church worldwide and here locally as well. We thank you for this beautiful building and the people that serve. We thank you for Brother Todd and the whole Lester family and ask that you would be with them as they're traveling today. I also ask that you would be with JT as he comes forward to bring the message today. I ask that you would humble our hearts and help us to have this posture towards you. Help convict us of our sin and use those moments where we feel convicted to discipline us. Bring us closer and closer in relationship with you, God. This is what, how we know that we're saved. The evidence is in the fruit. We, we can know each other and, and see each other from far far away through the way that we love one another god please just show us how to do that from your word lord please forgive us of our sins bring us out of rebellion against you lift us out of iniquity god we just love you and praise you so much right now we yield to you let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven it's in the wonderful strong and holy name of jesus that i pray amen have uh, something in mind to pray about and then the Holy Spirit moves so um, that's what just happened <laughs> uh, today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 1 verse 17 and Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you become fishers of men this is the word of the Lord and blessed be the name of the Lord
Beautiful. Can we give the choir another round of applause, please? They did such a good job. Thank you. But how y'all doing this morning? You wide awake? I am after that water. I'm good. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you don't know me, my name is James Coleman. I am the student minister here at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. And you guys, it has been only seven months since Elaine and I started here. Can you believe that? Like, Elaine and I came in last July, and we have just been blown away by the love and, and nurturing that you guys have given us here. So uh, we're grateful, so grateful for, for you and this church body. Um, I'm also very grateful to today that Todd would trust me, even when he's out of town, to, to lead the service. Uh, so pray for me, right? Uh, no, but, but uh, I love Todd. He's, a, he's been really supportive of me through this journey of, of um, starting a, a career, if, if we could call it that, in ministry. But um, this morning, I would like to share with you guys a little bit about Simon Peter. Um, but before we actually dive into all of, all of that, I would like to pray. Can you pray with, us? pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we get to spend time in your word and to spend, uh, spend time in this space of worship. God, that every word of our mouths and every uh, meditation of our heart, Lord, would be pleasing to you and would honor your word. God, guide us, keep us. Forgive us our sin, Lord, and help us to seek you first in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, I am from Pikeville, Kentucky, right? Or I should say Pikeville, right? Pikeville, Kentucky. Uh, my brother has a heavier accent than I do. But um, I'm, from, I'm from Pikeville, Kentucky. More specifically, I'm from Virgie, Kentucky. Has anybody ever know kind of where Virgie is or been there? Yeah, just a few of you. Yeah, I understand. It's a tiny little blip on the map. But uh, it's only three inches away from Virginia. Okay? <laughs> so uh, almost not a Kentuckian. But anyway, um, so there's only like one or two pastimes you can really get into, um, get into in Virgie. And uh, my brother and I, we opted for the pastime of riding dirt bikes and ATVs, right? Have y'all ever, anybody have experience with dirt bikes and ATVs? Yeah? Well, um, we were kind of new to the area because following my parents' divorce, we uh, uh, moved, into, uh, moved into, into the home of my stepfather and um, he had four-wheelers and dirt bikes and things like that, so we clicked. <laughs> but um, in getting to know this area, the trails and all the different ways that we can get out, um, our step-cousin, Matthew, uh, would kind of lead us around. So um, we had a Honda 300EX. It was yellow. It was about this wide. And if you guys know anything about ATVs, it was about this wide, and it, was, uh, it had a top speed of like 55 miles an hour, okay? Um, which, whenever you're on a, you're on a small, a small uh, four-wheeler like that, it feels pretty fast, <laughs> you know? But anyway, um, we, were, we were out one day because uh, we would go out during, on warm days after school, we'd meet up with Matthew, and we would, we would just kind of go and explore. But we were out one day, and Matthew is showing us this trail. And if you know anything about trails, there's a difference. There's a big difference between an ATV trail, a four-wheeler trail, and a dirt bike trail, right? The difference is about three feet. <laughs> okay? And um, so we were, uh, we were out and about, um, and Matthew chooses this trail that he just should not have chosen, especially with us there, and we didn't know the area. And so... Um, to, give, to paint this picture, we, we started going up this hill, and we were going kind of straight up. But then, out of nowhere, it seems, sorry, my bracelet's getting caught in my sleeve. As we were going, out of nowhere, it seems, that trail started to curve. 
and we were going perpendicular to the hillside, okay? Normal and totally fine on a dirt bike, but on a four-wheeler, <laughs> a little different. Now, keep, get this in your mind. Um, I, I was skinny as a rail back there, okay? Like, I was less than 100 pounds, and we were going over this, and y'all, this, this Honda starts to tip on me, okay? It starts, starts slowly coming up off its side tires, and here I am leaning into the hill trying to keep it from going. I was trying to counterbalance this machine, but I, just, I didn't have it in me. Physically, just could not do it. But it, it started to tip over. And when it started to tip over on me, um, we went, and by the grace of God, I think it was just, that, just enough inertia to where it didn't crush me, right? So, like, it didn't hit me, but I was able to roll with it, you know, rolling with the punches. Anyway, but uh, we, we were caught by a tree, okay? So, praise God for trees. <laughs> but we were, caught, we were caught by this tree, and it kept, us, kept me from rolling on down the hill. And I just remember in that moment thinking, why did I follow Matthew, <laughs> right? Why did I follow him? See, in, in that moment, I could have I decided, you know, I, I know my own skill level. I know that I, I have no idea where this area is, is like and where it's going to take me, the terrain, all that kind of stuff. I could have made a conscious decision in those moments to not follow Matthew down that path and just say, hey, Matthew, this one's not for me, right? But I didn't do that. Instead, I placed my trust in, in Matthew to show us around. Um, but I find, I find that we sometimes place our faith in people, and we sometimes place our faith in ideologies that will lead us down paths we're not ready for, or paths that we don't really need to be going down in the first place. If I'd stopped for just a moment and considered the path that Matthew had chosen, I likely would have made a different choice. But do you realize that there are paths that, choose, that we choose to take every single day which lead us to different places and different people and ideologies, as I said, are trying to pull us down those paths, okay? And do you realize that we all have these different struggles along these paths? And the different struggles that we face, some of us are willing to admit, but others of us are not willing to own up to. We all have these struggles. But did you know that there is a leader, right? There is a leader, there is a teacher who will take you down the path exactly that you need to go down. There is a leader who will place you exactly where you need to be. And we're going to talk about Jesus today. We're going to talk about Jesus today. But we're going to dive into some scripture. Um, and we're going to follow a theme. And the theme I want you to look for this morning, it's going to be easy to find, is follow me. Okay? Follow me. We're going to look at a few different uh, places in scripture. So I'll give you a heads up. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you today. So if you're a note taker, I would advise just write down the reference so you can go back to it. <laughs> okay? But, uh, so Jesus says, follow me in 12 different verses. He says, follow me in 12 different verses. We're going to focus more on the idea of what happens in, in Mark 1, 17. But I would also like for us to explore the other gospel records of this very same event. So we're going to start our reading this morning with Mark 1, 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and followed him. 
The next account of this event, the same event, occurs in Matthew. Um, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And it kind of says the same thing, so I'm going to kind of speed read through it. I went over 10 minutes in the first service, and I'm going to try to keep you guys on time, all right? Get you to crack a barrel. <laughs> anyway, um, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw his two brothers, he saw two brothers Simon uh, called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their, their boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. So here's where it gets different. Luke 5, 1 through 11. Same event, but you're going to see a couple of different words. Like, for, for instance, the Sea of Galilee, and this time it's called Genesaret. <laughs> okay? So this is one small example, but here we go. Luke 5, 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have not caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And here's what he said. He said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. As we encounter this theme of follow me this morning, I would love for us to track alongside Peter, to track alongside Peter's life experience. I believe that we can all relate to Simon Peter, maybe more than we care to admit, <laughs> but there are ways that we relate to Simon Peter in which we absolutely need to. So we're going to follow along his experience this morning. Um, so where are we introduced to Peter? Uh, Peter is by his boat, washing his net when Jesus comes along and takes the liberty of stepping into Simon's boat. I can just imagine Peter's face. <laughs> here, comes, here comes this person he hasn't met before, and they step over into his boat and ask him to pull it out into the water so that he can teach. Well, who do you think you are, right? We can, we can get very possessive and defensive of the things that we own. Can we not? Absolutely can. But Peter obliges Jesus. He pulls the boat out for him to speak to the crowd, but something unexpected happens. After fishing all night, not catching a single thing, Jesus looks at them and he says, cast your nets uh, into deeper water. Right? Go ahead and cast your nets into deeper water. So Peter realizes, after this happens, so that all these fish come into this net, and they're having trouble keeping it together, right? They have to call over help. The boats are sinking and everything like that. And Peter realizes 
that Jesus must be different. Jesus must be of God. He must be the Messiah that we've been waiting on for hundreds of years. This one simple, well, simple, simple for Jesus. <laughs> this one act, this one miracle of, of these fish coming into the boat sparks this thought in Peter, this must be the Messiah. But here's what I want you to catch. Peter realizes that Jesus must be the Messiah, and so he falls at his feet. He says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. But it was after this proclamation. It was after Peter's proclamation that he has sinned, right? And now he is at the feet of Jesus, and he recognizes that he is Lord. He says, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. And after this proclamation, it's, it's then that Jesus says what? He says, follow me. Follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. But something changed in Peter's spirit in this moment. I think you probably recognized it. It's happened in my spirit, right? But something in Peter's spirit changed. He realized who Jesus was, and he humbled himself at his feet in confession and in grief. God, I'm sorry I sinned before you. Following Jesus, my friends, following Jesus requires us to come face to face with our sin, and it requires us to take everything, the good, bad, and the ugly, and cast it at Jesus' feet. So if we want to follow Jesus, we must first submit to his guidance. To follow Jesus, we must first submit to his guidance. We see it also in Jesus' words, two words, follow me, right? We see Jesus is inviting Peter into something. He's inviting Peter into a relationship. And you see, Jesus, he came and he met Simon, where Simon was, right? Simon didn't come with the crowd, did he? I didn't read that. He didn't come with the crowd. But Jesus saw the boats and he said, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to step in this boat. This boat happened to be Simon's boat. I don't think that was circumstance. I think that Jesus planned that. But he stepped over into Simon's boat, and he calls Simon to trust him with something. He challenges Simon Peter to trust him with his own livelihood as he steps into the boat, which carries everything he, he could ever use to sustain himself and his family. That boat that he fishes from night and day. So look at what Jesus says to Peter. And directly translated from the Greek, all right, the, the Greek words are uh, dute opiso, okay, dute opiso. And these words directly translate as come after me, right? We, we commonly throw it in as follow me, but it's come after me directly translated. It, notice, it is not come before me, it's not come alongside me, it's come after me. Come after me. We're not going to be able to watch Jesus very well for right here. We're definitely not going to be able to watch him very well for up here. We're trying to move ahead of him. But instead, we've got to pull back, and we've got to stay behind Jesus, watching and listening to every single word and every action he takes. Why does he do this? It's because there is an assumed submission to Jesus' authority. He is the teacher. He is the leader. Not me. Not Peter. Not John. It's Jesus. He is the teacher. And every single word and every action that comes from his mouth or action he takes, every single one of them are intentional and they are meant that we would hold on to them and use them to learn and to grow and to be discipled in his ways. Now, I don't know about you, but I have 
learned a lot of lessons in my life based on wrong teachings, <laughs> where a person that I was very close to or loved one would make decisions that hurt themselves and hurt, hurt um, our group of, of family or group of friends. And in those decisions that they made, um, they were setting an example that I would have to try to navigate and figure out what was right or wrong about this. And how can I avoid the wrong? Sometimes, when we are learning from this kind of misbehavior, we hold on to it and we, we get so confused because sometimes that misbehavior is celebrated more so than good behavior. Sometimes that misbehavior is celebrated more so than good behavior. And so that can confuse us, especially as we're growing up as, as kids, as teenagers, right? Well, my notes just went way, way back. <laughs> but here's what I want you guys to, to notice about Peter. See, Peter is a fisherman, right? Peter was a fisherman. James and John were referred to as Jesus' partners. So this, this can lead us to think that Peter also assumed a position of leadership amongst James and John because he was probably the one navigating. He was the one choosing the spot to fish. He was choosing when they would throw their nets and all that kind of thing, how to throw the chum. I could imagine him looking at Andrew saying, little brother, you're doing it wrong. Throw it like this. You know? So like he, he was probably the leader of this, of this little group. And he was also the disciple who was very quick to cut off the ear in defense of Jesus, trying to keep him from being arrested. He was very quick to do that. Um, but something else we know about Peter is that he was not ashamed. He was not ashamed to, to speak his mind in any way, and so much maybe to a fault to where he could be very impulsive. Following Jesus' ascension, Peter became a bold preacher. He, he was very decisive as the primary leader of the early church, and he would uh, make peace and come to decisions um, on spiritual matters. So when the church had issues, right, um, these Gentiles are now coming in, so they should be circumcised, and Peter has to make that decision. So all that fell, fell to Peter. So let me ask you this. If, if Peter, with that kind of background, do you think that it was easy for Peter to submit to Jesus at first? Do you think that that was easy? Because I don't. I think somebody as bold as Peter probably really struggled with the idea of maybe i got to submit to someone else, especially someone that claims to be a teacher that's come out of nowhere, right? Steps into my boat and then eventually invites me to follow him. But it took a display of his power in order to get Peter to submit. And I think it was all very intentional. But here's what I want you to realize out of that, is that there is nothing good that we can bring into this world without the help and cleansing and leading of Jesus. There's nothing that I can do with these sin-stained hands that would be good. Even, even when I would work to, to do good and to help people, I can fall into selfish ambition real fast. There's nothing I can do. My good works are as good as filthy rags, Isaiah writes. But it's only through the blood of Jesus that our attempts at good works can be called good.
So following Jesus is to submit to his guidance. But speaking of work, did you notice something in Simon Peter's experience? In Simon Peter's experience, um, the moment that Jesus offered him something greater, Peter dropped something lesser. Did you pick, that, pick up on that maybe? The moment that Jesus offered Peter something greater, he dropped something lesser. So he had skill, he had ability, he had a gift to fish. Okay? Now, um, at least I'm going to give him the benefit of a doubt because I can't find anywhere in Scripture that calls Peter a good fisherman or even an account that, that Peter would uh, have caught a fish by himself. <laughs> you know? But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's probably shaking his fist at me in heaven right now. But um, he keeps doing this to me, y'all. But the point, as we get into as we get into Peter and his life as a fisherman, the point here is that Jesus offered him something that spoke to his purpose. He dropped something lesser in order to step into the purpose and calling that Jesus had had for him, that Jesus had prepared for him. What Jesus offered him in his purpose, spoke much deeper to his spirit than fishing ever did. He said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And, you know, Peter knew what it meant to fish, but for people? Jesus, are we going to bait a hook and throw that out in the middle of the city and see who comes? <laughs> are we going to throw chum out, out into the town square and people are just going to gather? We can throw a net. <laughs> it might be a little offensive, you know, but... Jesus might say, yeah, in a way, in a way, because they were, going to, they were going to speak, they were going to proclaim this gospel, they were going to preach, they were going to teach, they were going to uh, minister to people, counsel people who were coming that were sick and needed healing, people who had demons and needed, needed that exorcism. They were going to face a lot of these things. So yes, Peter, in a way, because Jesus was speaking to Peter's sense of duty. He was speaking to Peter's sense of duty because Peter would have understand this as an opportunity to save his people. He would have seen this as an opportunity to save his people whom he cares about so much. They would invite people into conversation. They would deliver those sermons. They would heal the sick and, and cast out the demons. All that Jesus' message would be heard by as many people as possible. The message that comes straight out of Matthew four seventeen, which says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus had chosen Simon Peter for this task because he knew who Simon Peter would become. He knew that he would become a man that Jesus would entrust the establishment of his church on earth. So let me ask you this. Are you a man or are you a woman that Jesus should entrust the leadership of his church to? That's a hard one to wrestle with. And I ask it because to follow Jesus is to realize our purpose and to realize our assignments within his sovereignty. To follow him is to realize our assignments, realize our purpose within his sovereignty. Understanding that he is in control and he has chosen us for a very specific purpose. And he's given us assignments along that way, right? To show us how to do it. So we're going to take a look at one of Simon Peter's greatest moments. And this is kind of my opinion. He might have had a greater moment that someone else would think is, is, is even better. But I think this is one of uh, his best moments. It's out of John 6, 
53 through 59. In this area, Jesus delivers a sermon, a teaching, um, that ruffles the feathers quite a bit of his own disciples. Okay, And so when we see the word disciples in this text, um, it's not referring to the 12. It's referring to regular students that would come and follow Jesus as he traveled. Okay, So this is disciples as in that context and not the 12. So uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start reading. So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my body, my blood, is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. The people were disgusted by this idea. Perhaps some of them understood it to be cannibalism. (laughs) that's not a good look, you know. But maybe some of them, most most likely, a lot of them would have looked at this and said, this is blasphemy. So what'd they do? They got up and left. They got up and left. And I bet that this deeply discouraged Jesus. Because if we're we're good students of theology, then we understand that Jesus is 100% man and that Jesus is 100% God. So I bet in this moment, that man, 100% man part of him, was very discouraged in the ministry that he was trying to push forward. But I bet in that 100% God side of him, he was brokenhearted. Because these people whom he loved and whom he created in his own image get up and leave when he's trying to teach them something vital. But when everyone else had abandoned Jesus, there are only a few of them that stay with him. So Jesus turns to the twelve, and he asks them this this question. In that that brokenheartedness, that's how I kind of hear it. You do not want to leave too, do you? You do not want to leave too, do you? And who is it that steps forward? You guessed it, it's Simon Peter. <laughs> Simon Peter steps forward, and he says this. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So when everyone else had abandoned Jesus because of a teaching that was too difficult to accept, Peter and the other 11 disciples stayed right there with him. But look who it is. It's Peter. Peter, who stands up and speaks for the rest of the twelve, Peter is the one who authentically desires to lead through Jesus' following and through Jesus' teaching. It's Peter. Perhaps many of us struggle with scriptural teachings. Perhaps we we struggle with, with teachings from scripture that maybe we don't like, that maybe are hard to accept. But perhaps we hold on to teachings like these, and they ostracize us from our co-workers. Maybe they ostracize us from our friends or family. They don't like what we believe, but we believe it because God said it. Plain and simple. But let me assure you of something. To hold on to Jesus and to hold on to Jesus' teachings is to hold on to life itself. It's that simple. But no matter what other people believe about you, or try to convince you of, no matter what the world says about you, or even if the entire world were to turn on you in a moment, 
to persecute you, we are to have the same authentic faith that Peter shows in this moment. Jesus, I stand with you, and I stand for you. This is one of Simon Peter's top moments, in my opinion. But let's look a little further into the story. In Luke 22, 31-34, Jesus is speaking in the upper room. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, he is Peter, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus, and then Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And then I like to add in here from Mark 14.31 because he gives another account of the same event where Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. That gets real specific. Peter, you're going to deny me. No, I won't. (laughs) So let's see how it resolves. Just a little further in the chapter, Luke 22, this time 54-62, then seizing him, Jesus, They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, but when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him, and seeing him there in the firelight, she looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is Galilean. Man, I know nothing of what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered what the word remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. We saw Peter's greatest moment, and now we look at Peter's lowest moment. This man who was willing to stand with Jesus to the point of social disgrace and even into death has now buckled under the fear of persecution. Because that's exactly what he was facing. At first it was rumors, right? Oh, this Jesus, he's going to get arrested. He's a blasphemer and all that that kind of stuff. At first it was rumors. But then Jesus was actually arrested. And Peter had to face the truth that now he's going to be associated with the man who's about to be crucified. Is the same thing going to happen to me? Now I'm scared. How do you think you would have fared in Simon's shoes? Did you notice this, that Jesus called him Simon whenever he was warning him of Satan's request? And then he turns and calls him Peter when he's revealing his foreknowledge of his denial. Why would he do that, I wonder? Could it be because Peter grew into his name? Could it be because Peter grew into his name and the old man, Simon, had been left behind? Could it be 
that even in Peter's denial, Jesus had already forgiven him. I'm telling you the truth this morning. Jesus died for all sin, past, present, and future. And he's promised this in John 6, 37-39. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. Peter, even though he had a difficult series of faithlessness here, a very difficult series of faithlessness in his denying of Jesus, he did not lose his reward. He did not lose his reward. Instead, he grieved, and he returned to his brothers in order to help strengthen them just as Jesus had prayed. So I say all this, you guys, to point us to the idea that following Jesus means that we realize our purpose and that we realize our assignments within his sovereignty. How many of you would admit your failures? How many of you would rush the altar for repentance? How many of you would revert back to your old way of being in order to cope with mistakes? This is what happens with Peter. After, after all is said and done, Jesus has been crucified. Peter the fisherman says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. Do you lose yourself in a hobby to keep your guilty and shameful thoughts away? Do you seek to keep busy so that you don't have to face the truth of your convictions? But listen, following Jesus means that we leave everything else behind. That includes our sin. John 21, 2-8 Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said, told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Is that starting to sound familiar? When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. But what just happened? Someone tell me, how did Peter come to accept Christ in the first place? Somebody tell me. It's okay. I do this in youth group all the time. What, what miracle was it? The fish. Yeah, it was the fish. And so the same miracle that we saw Peter come to know Christ in is the same one that he calls Peter back to him with. It's amazing. By the same miracle that Jesus just performed, he calls Peter back to him. So could it be, could it be that the Lord knows us so well that when we are downcast and broken and depressed and full of failure, 
that he will take us back to the very moment that we realized we needed him? Could it be that he knows me so well that he will, he will remind me of the first time I experienced his love, his grace, and his mercy? So where did you first encounter the love of Christ? Where did you first recognize that you have sinned and fallen short of God's glory? Where did you first receive the forgiveness that's offered through Jesus, through the belief in Christ? As soon as Peter realized that it was Jesus he called, uh, who had called out to them, he jumped into the water and he swam a hundred yards because this man was desperate to get to Jesus. He jumped out and he went after him. After every single thing that had transpired, he was desperate. And so seeing Peter's example, I have to ask, am I in need of Jesus in the same way that Peter was? Are you in need of Jesus the same way that Peter was? And the answer for both believer and non-believer today should be a huge and resounding yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely I am. Uh, but during, this is their third reunion with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. And during this reunion, um, a conversation occurs between him and Peter. And this is a very famous conversation, so I'm going to read it for you out of John 21, 15 through 19. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. This is a beautiful conversation. How many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? Somebody tell me. How many times? Three times, yeah. Now, parallel it. How many times did Peter deny? Three. Three times Peter denied Jesus. Is it probable that Jesus was assuring Peter of his love for him and assuring Peter of his call and of his purpose and that he still has his place in the Master's plan? So he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you, but I'm, go I'm going to hold on to my inadequacy a little bit longer. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, but I'm going I'm to rely on my anger to protect me from other people. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know me. Don't you know that I love you? And this is my words, not Jesus's, of course. But Peter, I know you want to love me. But though the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Let go of your pride. Let go of your shame. Let go of your fear, your doubt, your anger, your grief. Let go of your lust and your loneliness. Let go of your selfishness and seek my kingdom first because my kingdom will not fail you. It's proven. Feed my sheep, Peter, and follow me. Repeatedly, 
Jesus instructed Peter to feed his sheep, take care of his flock, and that's exactly what Peter did. Beyond the gospel accounts, we can read of Peter's leadership role within Jesus' church, how he goes from being a fisherman to becoming a teacher himself. Though Peter, I'm sure, continued to fish, right? It's kind of a hard habit to break. Some of you fishermen can attest to that. But it's no longer his priority. Peter, who cut the ear off the guard in an attempt to stop Jesus' arrest, became the very man who writes this in his letter, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy. Thank you, Peter. But now you have received mercy. It is in Peter's own growth that he can write such wise words. To recognize the work that Jesus did on the cross. To lay aside the things of the past and to call people to repentance and belief that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah foretold by the prophets, and that he is himself the prophet, priest, and king of the new Jerusalem, of which we are all citizens. This is the faith that we hold on to, the faith that, that we celebrate, the faith that we rejoice in because we do not deserve it, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. But God gives it in his own great mercy so freely that all we have to do is believe in Jesus, and we will not perish. I have just a few more scriptures to give you guys this morning. Mark 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. What are you willing to give up in your pursuit of Christ? Are you willing to give up everything? Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in new life. And this is what we witnessed this morning. When, when Nevaeh and Julie and Connor entered into the waters of baptism, they partook of this public symbol that had been laid down, that they had been laid down with Christ in death and raised up into new life. John 6, 26, Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father was placed the seal of approval. But earlier, I shared with you all the time that I had that ATV accident. And I followed my cousin when I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> um, I shared about how the ATV rolled over and thankfully didn't get any injuries. But I would like to add something to this is that there have been paths that I have followed through my life that have left scars. There have been paths that I've chosen that have instilled memories in me that sometimes like to rear their ugly heads and try to convince me that I'm not good enough and can never be good enough. And try to convince me that I should just give up. Maybe even give up in the worst ways. But the peace that I can testify to this morning. And, if, and is it okay? Can I testify for something this morning? Is that all right? Because I can testify to the peace of Christ who lives in me and has taken those, those evil thoughts away from me 
the Christ that lives in me and gives me peace and takes the depression and takes the anxiety away and says, you are mine. You belong. Throughout Peter's experience, we'll find ways that he did well and we'll find areas that he messed up. But we can, we can be encouraged by the example of Peter. But we must remember that the initial call that Jesus gave Peter was the place that he kept his sight. Peter, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Though Peter faced struggles and hardship during the earthly life of Jesus, and after his resurrection and ascension, he, he firmly kept his eyes focused on that call. It is reflected in Jesus' instruction to feed my sheep. Because who do you find God using to bring order and clarification to the early church? It's Peter. Even after he messed up, it's Peter. So what is God bringing order and clarification into your life right now? Each one of us shares uh, the, the same call which was placed on Peter. Follow me. Follow me in your job. Follow me in your marriage. Follow me in your parenting. Follow me in your friendships. Follow me in your finances. Follow me in your hardship, in your heartbreak, in your searching, in your lament. Follow me and do not stop following me. I'd like to invite any musician that's going to play for our closing. Because um, I'd like to share this in its, in its fullness out of John 6, 35, 46. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. This invitation, follow me, is an invitation to join Him, to join Jesus in His life, His death, and His resurrection. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice, they know my voice, and I know them and they follow me. Are you willing to take that step this morning? Are you willing to take that step and follow Jesus? I'm going to leave everything behind. I'm going to follow you, Lord. Are you willing to do that? If I invite you, come. I'd love to pray with you, and I'm sure we have other people who would like to pray with you as well. So will you come?
Thank you all for coming this morning. I really appreciate uh, you all coming out to worship with us in this place that we can so freely worship our Lord and Savior. Um, the, tonight, we have our normal children and youth activity uh, going on at 6 o'clock. And um, I won't be here for you, so parents know that. I won't be here, but John Hart will be leading our message uh, tonight. And so it'll still be fun. It might be even more fun since I'm not there. But uh, <laughs> that's a joke. Okay, you should be. Right. But, uh, <laughs> So, um, uh, youth and children's activities at six, and any other announcements that maybe I'm just not privy to were on the slides. There were also, there's also a newsletter out on the uh, Welcome Center. So if you're new, uh, if this is your first time with us, be sure to visit the Welcome Center. We, don't, we do not want to miss you this morning. Um, so we're going to sing a final closing verse um, to prepare our hearts as we go out into the world to preach this good news. Amen? Thank you. Glory to his name. pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you have given us. For God, we do not deserve this grace and mercy and love, but God, you see it fit to call us by name and to send us out into this world to go and fish for people. Help us to be obedient. Help us to seek you first, Lord, in all things, and to truly cast all of our iniquities, all of our transgressions down at your feet, and to not allow them to walk with us through this world. We love you. We trust you. And we surrender all praise, honor, and glory to Jesus' name. Amen.